Leadership is taking people on a journey where there is a vision, guidance and purpose. Good leaders lead with the heart as well as the head. Leadership means doing the right thing for the right reason, no matter how difficult it might be. You're listening to Leadership Unwrapped, a podcast where you will hear from people who are living leadership every day. Our guest today is Dr. Bernie Moreno. With a background in teaching, Bernie has since completed a PhD in teacher perceptions of new principals in Melbourne. Dr. Moreno is an expert on principal integration in schools upon appointment to principalship. Bernie's interests also span school leadership at all levels and its impact on school effectiveness and improvement, leadership identification, development and retention in schools. Bernie, you recently joined us for a webinar and you kindly agreed to come and chat to us again today. So thank you so much. And we're really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And hello to both of you, Patricia and Neve. Thanks for having me. So Bernie, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey into academia? Um, I think I think if we talk about journey, it's a bit like Alice in Wonderland. I didn't know where I was going. I mean, I ended up in, in academia, or I think I am in academia. It's still early days for me, but um, it's been a, a, a fascinating one. So I have, a, as you said, a teaching in, in back, uh, background in teaching and in uh, secondary schooling in uh, music classroom and in language, in Spanish teaching, which is my first language. And um, in the process of becoming a teacher, I was, um, first of all, I was very much supported by incredible school leadership, by a principal that was um, uh, very transformational. And when I say that, I mean, she was motivating us teachers. She was uh, very good at communicating what the vision of the school was, bringing us all together. And we felt that what we were trying to do as teachers, or I certainly felt it, was very much aligned with with what was happening in the school. And it, it just felt like we were all going in the right direction. Um, and also I was invited um, through my different expertise and as I was building that to take up middle leadership roles. And so, of course, that was my first step into a, a, you know, a middle leadership role that gave me a sense of what it is to be you know, right in the middle. So you're dealing with your uh, school leadership level, your principal, your vice principals, heads of teaching and learning, but you also have to have a different identity that you have to develop because you're working and trying to support more than anything and build capacity on a team that's relying on you. So in this case, other teachers in, in languages, sometimes that middle leadership role had to do with school well-being uh, and student well-being. So it, it, it was diverse. I was also involved in um, the International Baccalaureate. So from an instructional perspective, from curriculum leadership, if you want to call that, I also had that opportunity. And so that was my first uh, experience in that type of role. And then a very particular event took place to 10 years, 12 years after I had started my teaching degree. And this wonderful principle that I've just described left very unexpectedly. And it had a huge impact on me personally, professionally, personally, because I admired her very much. And so one of the things that uh, I, I did mention uh, um, when we had um, the webinar was the importance of the person before we look at the leader. So I admired so much these personal practices and, and personal qualities that this woman had. 
So that from a personal perspective. And then professionally, of course, if you want to do well in your job, if you want to develop yourself in your expertise, you also need to find that support. So that was going to be difficult. And I also started noticing how my colleagues collectively as well, it was it was almost as though someone had died, although she hadn't died. She had mm-hmm. just left. And it was it just got me really thinking about this power, you know, uh, of leadership. And this was in quite a big school. And so I'm thinking, you know, how does it happen? How, how did this person do that? So that got me interested in, in, in school leadership more than anything. I enrolled in a Master of Ed Leadership, which I completed at the University of Melbourne, where I am now. And, um, and of course, at the end of that, uh, I had more more questions than answers. And spoke to the the supervisors of that and said, look, I really want to continue. And I'm still intrigued by this relationship between new principals and and the impact on teachers. So did you do research on that area within your master's? I did. I did. I did. Well, the master's was coursework was not research. So my master's included, um, you know, learning about school improvement and effectiveness, Mm -hmm. curriculum leadership, um, looking at managing or the school organization, leading the school organization, um, and of course research methods, um, which was something I was very interested in. And also, I, I needed that that training to be able to complete my my thesis. And then once I completed the thesis, um, towards the last two years, I left the teaching profession. I was very fortunate that I could leave the school and concentrate fully on finishing my thesis. I think I was. I feel really blessed that I was able to do that. Not not everyone can do that. And so I had to ask myself, well, what now? After I've, I've, I've got my, my, my degree, I've got my, um, you know, my PhD, what, what am I going to do now? And I could have gone back to schools. I don't think I wanted to be a principal. The more I uh, studied them in my thesis, the more I realized what an incredible big job. And, and, and I thought these are just amazing people. I didn't think that I wanted that. But I very much enjoyed the research process, and so I thought I'll give that a go. And um, I've been very supportive and, and, and now have a, a lectureship at, at the University of Melbourne, and so I'm, I'm very happy where I am now. But I am an early career researcher in, in that sense. I'm fascinated. Um, I'm fascinated by the personal impact of a leader leaving because that's the piece we're not talking about, and we do feel... So, I mean, I I can relate to what you're saying because I had an amazing school principal in my school too who really encouraged me to do what I'm doing now, which I think a lot of leaders don't do that because they think Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose this person. But it was amazing that she was generous about that. And I I always love her for that. But when she left, it was like a bereavement in the school. And absolutely, we ever got over it because we were so attached to the safety that she Mm. created, the vision that she created, the kindness and we don't think about what it's like for us going home when we get that news and what it's like to go in every day and how how low you can get around your work when you know that this person who has kind of made the place the place you want to work in leaves so i'm i'm really interested to hear you say that absolutely and i think that's one of the things about principal succession that that you know we don't tend to be very good at in education succession planning and all that the the business world is is 
far more advanced in that and they, they've done it uh, better. And we've certainly, in leadership succession, we've learned a lot from that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that when an, an outstanding principle like the one you've experienced, Patricia, and I experienced, and maybe Neve, you have, and, and maybe our listeners too can, can relate to that, it doesn't mean that automatically the person that comes to replace that will will not be as good. In fact, yeah. that there's there's why should you know it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. But what I think we have been missing and what certainly my PhD research taught me is that it's not something we are aware of as teachers. We're not aware of this change by the person who's leaving. And more importantly, the person that's coming in you know, as new principals, we need to be aware of what is the context? What was that relationship like? If you're coming to replace a very much loved principal, then build on that. Mm. That's great, rather than saying, we're going to forget that. So Mm. if something was working in that prior relationship, um, you know, let's keep that in a way. And the other reason why I think this emphasis so much on the person before we move on to the leader has got to do with kind of the bit of the research that I'm doing now within that in relational trust. You know, how do principals uh, build trust, new principals build trust on teachers when they come in? Because that's what you want. That's going to give you teacher buying. That's what's going to get everyone motivated and, and building and improving the whole organization. And one of the things that I've looked at is that you can trust the role. Teachers can trust the role of the principal, but the role is pretty much the same. We're, and by that, I mean what we expect a principal to do, the behaviors of a principal. They're quite generic. We could sort of see them even at a global level and have some commonalities in different places. But to be able to trust a leader when something unexpected happens or or perhaps when uh, the pandemic, you know, comes, sometimes the person will come out, the person will step out and really their qualities will determine that. So often principals who want to, to build that trust, you really have to be transparent. You have to uh, show who you are because unless you, you do that, you're just going to be trusted as the principal rather than the person you know who's who's in that role, and I th- I think there's a lot more work to be done in that area. I think so too. I think it's um, super hard to replace someone anyway because mm. that comparison mm-hmm. is going to be happening for for a while. Um, so I think you also need patience. I mean, you have to build the trust in others, but you also have to trust in yourself to go more slowly while that's happening. And so you will hear a lot of, but X didn't do it that way. But, you know, we didn't used to do it that way or or um, should we do it differently? And you, you just, like you're saying, have to let things settle and maybe go slowly and just be for a while and to trust that. And that takes a bit of um, self-talk when you're a bit nervous about taking up that role in the first place and, and you're in that compared space. Absolutely. Trust in any situation in any personal relationships that we've all experienced, in the relationship between a teacher and a student, you know, it means putting yourself in a vulnerable situation. It's accepting that somebody else is going to provide you with some something that's going to help you. Or, you know, if, if we think about 
um, in, in that sense, trust. So absolutely, it has to be well paced. It has to be slowly. And you have to be able to provide, to show opportunities. There must be opportunities for you to show how you act. You know, teachers want to see repeatedly how you're behaving. Where's the pattern going? Where's that, you know, where's that empathy being shown? Um, they can't just happen every now and then. Um, and teachers, yeah, the, the ghost of the, uh, and this is not uh, a finding from my research. This is from previous research that I've built on. The ghost of the of the past principle is very much alive, <laughs> good or bad. Um, we tend to remember both extremes, just like in anything in life, I guess, the very good and the and the very bad, if if, if one can say that. But but even the ones that perhaps didn't have, you know, that middle range that didn't have an impact, we have to allow for that. We, and as I said, we should build on that. And that's one of the most important things new principles need to do, that, you know, they have to find what is working because every school will have something that is working and that's a good place to start, I think. Yeah, it's like finding your rhythm, isn't it? It's like finding your mm -hmm. flow and, uh, and being open to it and taking time to do it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you do look at the two extremes, whether like there wasn't a very strong relationship between the principal and, and the staff, or if there was a very positive relationship, it still, it brings challenges and opportunities either way, doesn't it? Because if there was a very negative relationship, there mightn't be that sense of trust. Yet as a new principal coming in, you would have the opportunity where people would be probably more enthusiastic about change. And on the flip side, if, if there was that really positive relationship, you've big shoes to fill. So there are, there are high expectations and, you know, people might be very comfortable in the way that things were done with that individual because of that high trust. But as you said, Bernie, as well as that, you have that positive relationship among the staff to build on. So it's it's funny in that sense. Absolutely. And I think it has implications for school boards and school governance, because sometimes we have to think, well, who's, who's appointing these principals? Um, and it's so important that there is a, uh, a common thread of uh, what the school needs. We talk a lot about in principal succession about the right fit. You know, sometimes we just Again, just, just like in our, in our personal life, sometimes, you know, you click with someone and you, you know, or, or you think it'll work in the context. It's important to get that. It's very important. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that, you know, people can't develop into that or develop into that culture. Um, but sometimes you have to be very careful how you do that. What is interesting just on, on that topic of developing trust is, um, what happens in schools that have have experienced high principal turnover? So that's something that's a, a paper that I'm going to give later in the year in um, um, in September. That's actually really complex because in schools that, for example, are changing principals every two or three years, as a result of dis different circumstances, um, for them, building that trust is very difficult, very difficult, and it can be very damaging as well in that relationship between teachers and principals. In some studies, we have found that when that happens in those contexts of high principal turnover, in fact, teachers 
stick together more. That that was certainly uh, one of my case studies in, in my thesis. Uh, their, their sense of morale was quite low. They were disillusioned. They were very saddened, really. Those were some of the feelings they had about not having a principle that they loved or that they could connect with. But it certainly made them stronger. So their sense of belonging to the school, to their school community, didn't necessarily suffer. But it had other other impacts as well. Yeah, the context is just huge. I mean, culture just plays a massive part here, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's also really interesting. It's something I haven't looked at that I'd like to look at. But but when you are a school leader and you come in to a school where teachers are sticking together and there are maybe sometimes, okay, in, in the negative end of the continuum, cliques and factions that control the space, how hard it is to, to it's possible to do great work in that space once you figure out how to get in and, and to work in different ways in these groups. But, but it's a really interesting area to think about, the challenge for a leader personally in going into that space and, and having to work really gently to change that dynamic in a staff room. Have you seen anything Defin- like that? Definitely. And in, in some of the case studies in my in my thesis, I had, um, and I think I showed that in, in one of the slides, they focused on that visibility. That seemed to be one of the gold keys for all principals in the case studies. They needed to be seen. They were very perceptive, very, they reflected on themselves as well. So they knew that it wasn't important f- just for them to go out and be seen and say hello. They were interested in how that was being perceived by others. So mm-hmm. the dedicated time, you know, that principle that built in the 20 minute every day to go walking. Um, so they were strategic about the visibility. It wasn't just anywhere. Uh, that, you know, that doesn't mean it was a uh, fake because they were being strategic, it meant they were intentional. I'm going to use this visibility, this walking time, this meeting with parents, uh, going into classrooms in a different way. The principals that went into classroom just to be seen and to get to know students made it very clear from the very beginning to teachers that they weren't going in to observe their classes. So he created very early a sense of, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here as the new principal, excited about the learning that's going in the classroom. And they were very faithful to that. So they, they'd come in, they'd sit at the back, or they'd talk to some students when they were doing activities. They tried to be respectful that they weren't there interrupting. Uh, not all teachers liked this. Not all teachers about thought that, that it was a good... Yeah. How do they take it? Yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't a hundred percent. Yes, come in. Some teachers felt, you know, uh, comments like, um, you know, he interrupts when he comes in. Or I remember one one teacher said, he comes into my maths class and he says, "Oh, you're doing math. This is wonderful. I was never good at maths." And so the teacher's like, "I don't like that. I tr- I'm trying to break students to think that they're either good or not not good at maths." Um, Having said that, they understood that that was his way of building relationships and they understood it because this principal explicitly talked about it. So mm-hmm. Peter, which is the pseudonym I used for, for him in my thesis, Peter 
when I interviewed him, I interviewed him twice as well as the teachers. And he'd say, he'd say to me, this is what I want to do when I come in. This is what I'm, I'm going, you know, this is what I'm doing in my first year. I'm going into classrooms. And I told them in the staff meeting that I was going to do that. So he was verbalizing his thinking all the time, which added to that level of transparency. Mm-hmm. Many teachers described Peter as, you know, what you see is what you get. Even the ones that said, yeah, he seems a bit informal for this type of school, but this is who he is. They actually valued that much more as well. So I, I think, um, you know, being, as you said, the, uh, being very patient, the visibility, uh, the transparency, um, they were very aware of change in the same way as I explained in the webinar that teachers had this the inevitable sense of change. They know that with new principle comes change, just with any type of leadership really in our society. We kind of expect that things are going to be done differently. And our first concern is, um, you know, like a, like a concerns-based model, how is this going to impact on me? That's the first thing. Yeah. that we worry about, that teachers worry about. So attend, uh, attending to that as new principles is very important. It's really important because how the leader sets the tone has an impact on our well-being at work and, and the way they engage with us. It, it's We're not talking about something that's ethereal here. It's real and it's lived and it impacts our health and well-being. So it's super important, and and I guess that's what I just wanted to emphasize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry about that. But no, not at all. Um, and I think when when we think about a continuum of of a level of influence, um, if we can visualize that, if we have leadership on one end and 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 student learning, if you want to, on the next, we know through our our study of of you know leadership influence um, already that. Leadership is, of all school factors, leadership is, is second to that. We've got teachers who are the closest one in, in that kind of visualization, and then comes leadership. But it's, it's just, first of all, just because it's the second, it doesn't mean it's just as important or significant. It's very significant. It's very important. Um, previous research, you know, has, has told us and convinced us that it's even more important in schools that need it the most, so in disadvantaged contexts and so forth or in challenging contexts. So if we have new principles coming in, if the impact or if the influence of having a new leader is is having that response on teachers' well-being, as I showed, whether it's positive or negative, on teachers' uh, sense of belonging, on teachers' um, professional development and, and capacity building, and even if it's a little bit less on the relationship between teachers themselves and teacher and students, it would seem natural that then it would have an impact on what they're going to do in the classroom. So if we continue that influence, we want teachers who feel supported by their principals. Um, and that support, as I said, it doesn't have to be one-on-one. Most of the time it isn't, unless you're in a very, very small school. But there's that sense of, you know, I, I have this structures around me or or resources to support me that really have been initiated by the leadership. And so that is important. We need that so that teachers can continue to do the wonderful job they do in the classrooms as well. 
I'm also really taken with your thoughts about the visibility um, and taking that time, taking that 20 minutes, you know, to 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 make sure that you're connected or you're seen and that you're, you're, you know, you're connecting with students and you're connecting with staff, but you're there, you're the walking person on the ground that people see the leader is here, you know. And I was thinking about it subsequently. I remember when you spoke about this before, it's just stayed in my mind. And I, and um, leaders who are introverts, and I'm one of them, it can be quite a challenge to, to build that in yourself, to, to build that comfort. But I just, when I heard you talk about it before, I came away saying that's just gold, really. And something that you might think I'll take for granted or just do for a little bit and then not continue. But the consistency of that visibility, probably we can't overestimate the value of it. And I, I, I've heard other people respond to you saying that so positively and say that's something they want to embed in their own practice as leaders. Definitely. And look, if there's anything that I, well, I teach, you know, in, in the Master of Leadership now and, and when I'm teaching now what I know and it's, it's fascinating being the lecturer now in a master's where I was a student uh, <laughs> 10 years ago and I, yeah. I reflect on that a lot because I, I, I learn every day when I do it and I'm, I'm really excited about it. But, what you know, of course, and one of the things we do is talk about how did we get to school leadership here and we, we sort of do a you know, historical approach and, and, and look at all that. But I think in the last 100 years or so, one of the best things that we've, we've really come to understand about leadership, and not just in schools but in general, is that uh, you're not born with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Leaders, mm-hmm. leaders are not born, you know, that, that we can become leaders, we can train. Um, and particularly in school leadership, we must request that our development as leaders is part of being a leader. Yeah. So, uh, and I think I said, I might have said that towards the end in the webinar, you know, or maybe in, in, in the Twitter chat, I can't remember, but something like when you're going for a leadership role, when, when you're new, you've been appointed, ask those that have appointed you, who are you, how are you going to be supported? What will you need? And maybe one of the, for some people, it might be, um, you know, a bit more help with perhaps that visibility. Some people might understand that it's important, but might not necessarily come natural to them. And that's fine. And that's okay. So we want that. We want to be able to continue learning. We want to be able to develop more, you know, in our leadership practices, we want principals to do that. And sometimes we have to make sure on the one hand that, again, those responsible, those supporting that leader, so school board, school, um, I'm not quite sure how in, in Ireland uh, the, the, the construction of that governance is, but whoever it is in that group that's supporting your principals, uh, they need to be aware of that. And we also, I think, need to build confidence in our um, future school leaders and our new principals at the moment by saying, getting them to have the confidence to say, okay, this is what I need now. I know what the school needs. I know what I need to do. um, But I also need support and I need it in this area. And also being able to reflect enough to know the area that you want to work on. So because, you know, whether it's managing meetings, whether it's time management, whether it's, you know, prioritization of projects or I mean, some principles 
I was talking to a colleague yesterday who was a retired principal, amazing woman, but she was talking about, yeah, you know, and I was doing the, the building, you know, like building the building, <laughs> you know, like, so they're called That's up to right. do these like roles that are way beyond what a, what a leader may be asked to do in a different area with amazing skill. They do it, but, but um, it's about being able to say, okay, I need some professional development on that and I should, it should be available to me and how to get it. That's- and, and it should be, it should be part of the role. So sometimes that is uh, explicit and it's in the contract and it's in writing and that's great. Uh, you know, coaching is one of is a wonderful thing. There's mentoring. The resources we have of past principals, retired principals, the, the wealth of knowledge and expertise that those individuals have is something we need to continue to use uh, because that's very important. That's very, very important. So it's you know we have to we have to make sure that they have those structures um but sometimes it's not explicit sometimes it might just be in passing or sometimes it's it's just not talked about mm-hmm. yeah something that interests me about it about the idea of a new principal coming in and you know kind of putting themselves into the mold that's already there is I know we've spoken to past guests on the podcast about, you know, really being yourself and having that integrity and making sure that what you do on a day to day basis aligns with your values and the, uh, I suppose, balance, I'll call it, of trying to build on what's already there, but then make sure that you're staying true to your own values and your own beliefs. And it's not to say one person is ever right and one person is totally wrong, but we do at the end of the day all have slightly different values at least. Um, so that, you know, that complicated space of of juggling those two things. Absolutely. And I think, Neve, what you've just said has huge implications on how we prepare our future leaders. I mean, and the, the two of you are at the heart of that doing a great job you know we have to start these conversations early and in fact earlier than ever perhaps that we have to uh, make sure that they are understanding how leadership works that they understand that we can support them if that's something that they're interested in pursuing and um, developing that identity as well. I think sometimes people don't see that they have the capacity to be the leader until somebody says to them, have you thought about this? Because I think you could be really good at it. And then they just almost like open up and think, wow. And they just need that. It's not a tap on the shoulder with nepotism to say you're the next person. It's just being able to say to people, several people in the team, wow, I think you've got something. Have you thought about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes on our program, we have um, one or two maybe at the end who'll say, I don't want to do it, which is also to me a very good outcome because they've taken all of the skills and will use that in their leadership, in their teaching work. But they know, having been out there, that it's not for them. And that's as good an outcome as as also deciding it is for you and, and taking time to build the skill. I think you've you've mentioned something uh, very very important, and that also comes back to identifying talent, established principles, even new principles. Very early on, need to start thinking uh, what's going to be the next leadership. Doesn't mean they have to think about their own replacement, but in the process of building capacity, which is building that capacity not just for the classroom, but building capacity for the betterment of the whole organization. So 
sharing that leadership, building leadership possibilities, creating a, a more flat, perhaps shared leadership model where uh, teachers can actually test that, try that, have that possibility of being that middle, what we call middle, middle leadership roles, um, is about, that is about um, then being able to identify that talent that you were saying, Patricia, and also um, developing your own. If we're going to talk about the importance of the fit being the right fit, I'm not saying that every new principal has to be um, appointed from within the school but a lot of the time it might be exactly what the school needs. And that comes with being becoming a principal after having been the vice principal, perhaps even more challenging from a from an identity development process. But, um, you know, we must commit as school leaders to developing. I mean, we're in a very altruistic profession here. Um, let's be proud of that, that, you know, why not continue with that up to a certain extent if, if that's what it takes. It's very exciting to plant the seed and watch it grow in colleagues too. You know, to say, I think, uh, have you thought about doing some development in leadership? You have huge potential and just watching the the excitement. And and often it's met with, no, I couldn't possibly. And then after some thought, coming back into it and saying, okay, I'll have a look. And um, what an amazing place to be in, to be able to do that with people. I think it's um, it's the gift we give back to the profession. It's really important. Definitely. And I think in particular, we have to uh, be mindful of women in educational leadership mm-hmm. um, because around the world, you know, we still have uh, quite a, a large um, feminine teaching profession, but not necessarily that's the case uh, in school leadership. And so, you know, the wonderful work that a lot of people are doing um, around the world to, to see, well, what's happening there, you know, and how can we improve that? There's the piece around ensuring the visibility of women in leadership in education and mm. and supporting women to see their potential to do that. But there's also a piece of work in looking at what happens to women when they're in that role at the moment and how we support them because there are still, unfortunately, some experiences of misogyny that we also need to work on to be able to support women. Absolutely. And look, that has to do with, with, a, number of, with a number of things. On the one hand, it has to do with um, how women are supported in leadership. Um, what, you know, for example, within the role. Um, and unfortunately, we have, to, we have to say things that we wish weren't like that but the reality is that women are the, the the people in a household where you have children for example if there are two adults they you know tend to be the ones that are going to be uh more occupied with things like that so we can't kid ourselves and say yeah. you know just just think about your work balance well it's harder than it is for men we, we can't deny it so what are we doing to do that um you know why is it that a leadership role in schools can only be a full-time job can it be shared? I'm not saying one or the other, but we have to think outside the box. We really have to think in a lateral way and say, is it really an area so we can actually have outstanding women leading our schools? Well, if that's what it's take, if that's what it's going to take, then we need to do it and we need to address it. Um, and even things sometimes like thinking that, uh, you know, in a more conservative way and thinking that leadership, you know, you have to, you have to be bold, uh, you know, you have to be confident and somehow associate those things with 
men leading uh, rather than women leading. So we we have to break all these uh, stereotypes, which we are doing, which we are doing. But um, and more and more, I think we see women women leading schools. We see here in Australia lately women leading boys only schools, which is something that we wouldn't have seen a while back. Um, but we still need to do that. And so we our university, our graduate school of education, has really. We're going to try and tackle that as well um, in our teacher initiation courses, in teacher education courses. By we've just introduced in our new program a core subject on leadership in schools. So we want though it's an it's an intervention really about getting our first years, you know, our, our, our um, students who are coming in to become teachers very early on to to become uh, aware and should do. Uh, what's what's the influence and the impact that leadership has on school improvement and school effectiveness. But they're the leaders of the future. That's the point. So we should be doing that quite early. I think yeah. it's really valuable because like inevitably people that do initial teacher training go into leadership roles. So you have, you know, the principal and the deputy principal. Then when you take into account middle leaders as well, it's quite a considerable amount of teachers that will end up in leadership positions. So I think it, it's it's brilliant to bring in a course that shows that awareness from the very, very beginning to get people thinking about that and to get people in tuned with school leadership because a lot of them will will yeah. find themselves in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if teachers, um, like the case of your student, Patricia, you were saying that decided that leadership was was not for them. That's okay, but it's important for that. It's important that they know what what to expect. Yeah, I think I think we should be talking more about leadership across the range of educational activity and not just in the leadership space, if I'm making any sense to you. That it's not just for when I'm doing a course on leadership. It's actually from when I'm in education and from when I begin. We plant the seed about how we I... sustain the profession. I also think it's important for principals to know that teachers have high expectations of leadership. Mm-hmm. So we need to we need to teach our teachers. We need to build their understanding of what good leadership looks like um, and expect that. Absolutely, yeah. And we also need to work with teachers to be realistic about <coughs> their leaders being human beings and, and not able to do everything. There's, you know, there's almost two pieces to that for me that I, I'm interested in. There's a lot that teachers can do as well to prepare for when a new principal comes. So it's not really all about what does the new principal need to do, uh, what what does the school have to do. Um, you know, teachers have, have also responsibilities. You know, they also have to, as you say, they have to give the new principal a go. You can't be judgmental straight away and say this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. because the previous one was so outstanding. So preparing preparing teachers for the transition is important. I don't think it's uh, it's all one side and it's not just about what the new principal can do as they come in. I think it, particularly in the transition process, so that is exactly just when 
um, you know, the new principal has been announced, everyone knows who it is. It's usually the rest of the leadership team, deputy principals, vice principals, who can play a really important role there in being, being very clear in communicating who this new person is that's coming in. And teachers, are, it's a way of saying they need to do their homework. They have to be, first of all, find out more about this person. Sometimes the school may provide some uh, information about what they have done in, in the past, where they've led before, what some of the achievements they've had. But also it's good to remind teachers that, you know, a new principal is also going to be going through a whole lot of uh, challenges, uh, a new place for them, new staff, uh, new expectations, high expectations, and they are going to be developing their new their, their leadership identity um, and so it's important to allow them to be able to show who they are as the person, what their what their values are. We need principals to have the opportunity to articulate what their values are because they will really drive what they do as leaders. So I think there's a lot that teachers can do there as well. Absolutely. So yeah. it's it's very much about starting where people are at and being okay in that space and then working it out. I think to to make it what to make it optimal for for the school for the teachers and for the principal who are all just human beings trying to do good work make a better space Correct. together and that's the important piece <laughs> that. That's um, right. So what's next for you Bernie in terms of research what are you going to what are you going to look at next because we're fascinated with your work so dying <laughs> to hear what's next on the horizon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh there's so many things I have to learn and there are so many areas that I'm interested in but um, certainly, I'm, I'm interested in this uh, developing trust in high principal turnover context. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like a subset uh, within my thesis. So I'm going to to give that paper in September and, and hopefully publish publish that paper. I'm also very interested in that gap that I found as well in my research, where there's so much uh, positive. Uh, recognition of uh, of new principals who put an emphasis on building capacity of teachers, and yet the teachers didn't perceive that that was helping, really having any impact on their um, classroom practice. So I'm go I'm interested to see uh, why that gap still exists and what else could leadership do to to enact that so to to help with that um i don't know you know anything anything to do with school leadership i'm really passionate about um i'd love to collaborate with more people really interested um as a global learner as well to do you know what's happening here not just in australia but what are the commonalities that we can share and learn from from other places um yeah there's still a lot to do leadership is still very important I think this is a conversation to be continued. So hopefully you'll come back and talk to us again. Um, <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of commonalities. I think your work speaks very well to the Irish context and, mm-hmm. and we've experienced that recently. So to be continued would be my view on this one. That so, would be wonderful. I look forward to it. Maybe I'll come and visit you next time. We can do it face to face. Would love it. You'd be extremely welcome. So just let us know when the ticket is being booked. So um, yeah, so we might call, we might wrap it up for now. Bernie. Thank you so much for for coming across the world remotely to talk to us this morning. We really appreciate it, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Millie Bernie. It's it's always a pleasure. And it's uh, a pleasure. I really enjoy speaking with you both. 
absolutely and there's there's always so much to learn from you so thank you for your conversations and, and hopefully we'll chat to you soon it's it's mutual i learned from you as well thank you so much for having me